Hello, welcome. We are the Agony Uncles. Who are you? I, I, I'm Uncle Si. I, and I'm Uncle Dave. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, this podcast comes with a warning. We had this from Sue McKenna, who said, I was listening to the episode where Dave said his mum's teeth got swapped and she smiled and looked like Mr. Ed. And I completely lost it, started crying with laughter, nearly drove into the back of the car in front. Oh, Sue, it wasn't meant to be a funny story. It was a story of tragedy. How do you think I felt when instead of the benevolent gaze of my loving mother, I was met by what was like something from Piranha? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, the dear old mum. She got her oh. chompers back eventually. Hi. <laughs> and we've also got something from Facebook where Kate Hughes and Debbie uh, Chapel uh, said, I watched your video clip and Dave talked about how how I'd weed on you um, when we were in a skip. Uh, but they're now both asking, uh, why were you in a skip, Dave? Uh, there's more to this story, isn't there? Yes. Why was I in a skip? I, I don't know, I can't remember. Maybe I was just, get, maybe I was just getting comfy. Well, it was, we, 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 yeah, we were on the Esplanade and there was a skip. So why, yeah, why wouldn't you be in it? I mean, yeah, you know, no. it's a skip, isn't it? No, I, no idea. No idea. Katie yeah. and Deb. Anyway. Well, the way to get in touch with the show is by email. Yes, yes. And the email address is agonyuncles at thehairybikers.co.uk. Uh, on the Agony Uncles team today, posing the problems, as always, is the thin white duke, known as Mark of the Jeevesness. Hello, and how Hello. lovely to see everyone. Uh, glorious to uh, have you on the podcast. And yes, today I have to say we've got a, 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 a we're running the gamut of problems and emotions. We're going. We've got we've got food problems right the way through to pets, which are getting in the way of passion. But I'm looking forward to the show. Oh, Ooh. pets and passion. Pets and passion. Oh. Well, this blooming puppy's getting in the way of everything. I've got no passion. <laughs> anyway, helping dig into your dilemmas, it's the voice of the people. Well, as long as the people are featured in the back of Tapla, you are. It's Posh Tash. Hello, Posh. How are you Morning. doing? I'm not too bad. I'm actually slightly less posh, actually, today. <laughs> it's purely because I've had a sick kid, and so I've been up to my eyeballs in Febreze, back to Zaflora, Marigolds. I've, I've been on it all weekend, so, I, you know, the pearls oh. are coming off. You know, the tiara fell off and it's been slightly more Cinderella for me. You're not having to clean up your own sick, are you, Sash? Not my own. No, I have to no. me, but I don't mind helping my children. I do love them a little bit. Oh, <laughs> oh no, well, that's nice. That's yeah. nice to know. Yeah. Now, uh, right, well, I'll tell you what, uh, now we've got the team together and we're all uh, we're all here with our right, uh, correct teeth in our heads. <laughs> I think what we should do, dude, is get on solving the nation's problem and push that jingle button. Boom, 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 bing! Hello, hairy bikers. Here is my request. I have got a problem that I must get off my chest. Won't you listen to my story like a hairy Jack and Ori? Cause I heard your advice is the best. In this week's edition of the Hairy Bikers Agony Uncles, Uncle Si, Uncle Dave and Posh Tash, you're going to be deciphering these dilemmas. We have pasta problems. We have Stuck in a Rut, part one. We have Stuck in a Rut, part two. And in Confidential Corner today, the Pussy Passion Killer. My goodness, wow. Good Lord. Good Lord. Rums. Hey. It's a bit near the mark. Yeah, yeah. that's fresh. Yes. Yeah. You're just going to have to wait and see. But we're going to kick off with some pasta problems. Hello, Uncle Sire, Uncle Dave, Posh Tash and the Thin White Duke, says Jane P. 
which is very nice. Thank you, Jane. Happy. She says, I have to tell you, I love the podcast so much. You make me cry laughing every week. And I know you're the right folks for this job. So please help. I have a culinary dilemma as follows. Four years ago, I was really ill with food poisoning. It actually took months to get better. And I found that after that, I was unable to eat wheat products. Or if I did, there were disastrous consequences. Fast forward to the present and over the last few months under medical supervision, I've been reintroducing wheat-based foods slowly and very successfully. And I'm now wanting to try pasta making again. I've got a pasta rolling machine that I've used a few times in the distant past without a great deal of success. And I've tried it again recently. All I get is a mass of stretchy, sticky, unpleasant pasta ribbons that clump in the cooking water and, to be honest, aren't that great to eat. Having been unable to eat decent pasta for so long, I really want to enjoy something like tagliatelle or is it pappardelle? Preferably yeah. handmade. So my question is this, is it worth persevering with this? And if so, do you have any tips? Or should I just give it the heave-ho and buy some decent fresh or dried pasta? Lots of love, Jane. Over to Dave. Over right. to Dave. The solution to this with a pasta machine is lamination. A lamination. Uh, do you remember, Kingy? Right, uh, we were honest as well. When we did family cook-off, it was it was a whole make of showed us how to do this. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, we carried it with us ever since. Right, you made your pasta dough. You let it rest in the fridge. It's fine. And actually, if you get a book called uh, Pasta Grannies, and it's been a YouTube thing, a pasta granny recipes, uh, authentic Italian granny's recipes, the cock on. Theorando does an amazing pasta recipe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, ours is pretty good, but I'm being honest. So anyway, you've got your dough, you run it through at the maximum setting. So it comes out a bit like an oval shape. Turn the ends of your oval in on themselves, turn it round so that the open ends, a bit like a pit of bread that's been folded, go into the machine, run it through again. Do it narrower. Keep folding and putting, a bit like making puff pastry. That's called lamination. And what it does, it kind of does the gluten, it gives you a stretch. But lamination really works. And funny, Papadelli is one of my favourite. That's the thick ribbony pastas. So what I do, and and, and it's it's easy this, I run through what you would call sheets of lasagna or, or for ravioli. So it's been laminated, these thin sheets, just with a knife, I cut them into thin ribbons and then I put them on a clothes horse to dry. And they are absolutely perfect. I can testify for that because I've eaten it. Yeah. And it's epic. But it is lamination is the secret to it making your, your pasta machine work, be it an expensive one or a cheap one. See, I think you might be right there because I went to, on holiday to uh, Tuscany and had an mm. amazing time and took the whole family for uh, an experience at a beautiful farmhouse where the family taught us how to do pasta. And the actual making of pasta as a layman is actually quite easy. The physical mm-hmm. dough is fun and easy and I was pleasantly surprised and now I realise I thought I was amazing at making pasta but actually I then handed that dough over to somebody else who then put it through a machine. So realistically it's all about the machine isn't it? You're saying it's about how you produce the actual shape of the pasta rather than it's actually the dough. So this this guy isn't making a mistake on his dough, it's actually physically having the right tools, the right machine, the right dryer. Is that is that key? No, I think if you're going to use a pasta machine like that, like the thing with the rollers and the handle, and I've just got a cheap one, it works fine. Okay. Lamination is the secret to making it work. So it doesn't just come out uh, an unholy, chewy mess or, or with holes in. 
the, this lamination. You do it about seven times. It really works. Look, uh, you know, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you, 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 you'll find loads of things on YouTube. Also, the, the simplest pasta of all is peachy pasta. No. It doesn't require a machine. What's that? Um, it's just whatever pasta pasta dough you've got. You roll it between your hands, like with sausages. I always think about the thickness of a big biro. Put it in flour, then cook it, and that's peachy pasta. Okay. But you see, pasta, you know, like Lil, uh, the Romanian way of making pasta, and they all make loads of pasta like they all do over Europe, um, or the rest of Europe, is just with flour and water, because they wouldn't waste eggs. And she makes fantastic pasta, just flour it's and water. Fabulous. And ravioli's great, when it's just one big... Would you still laminate for a ravioli sheet as well? If we was using a machine, I would. But to yeah. be fair, I watched my mother-in-law make it. She uses flour, water, and an old broom handle and a, <laughs> and a table. And she makes it as thin as a thin thing, and it works. I'll testify to that as well, of eating that, it's epic. But do you, wouldn't you agree, Kingy? I love we filmed in Italy. I mean, it was down, down the Cucina Povera, down in southern Italy. It's so simple. It's so pedantic, though. But if you do follow these Italian rules, it, it's like culinary homeopathy. There seems to be nothing in it, but it's insanely good. Um, it, it is. That's why I think the pasta granny thing works as well. Somebody's been around and gathered all these secrets from grannies, pasta nonnas, and it works, but do do what they say. I always remember, Kingy, do you remember with Giuseppe, that guy in the Trattoria? He used oh. half a clove of garlic, and we thought, I think that's ridiculous. No, it was half a clove between four people. God knows what he did, it was beautiful. It was, it was unbelievable. And because ordinarily, and, and that was the that was the thing, Dave and I would go like maybe two cloves of garlic, night in, you know, done. Yeah. Absolutely not. But the, it, it was also perfectly balanced and the ingredients were, the ingredients were minimal. Um, yeah. It was just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Loved it. How long can you keep your fresh pasta for afterwards? Just like a normal one, three days in the fridge. Wait, freeze it. You can freeze it, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, do you remember that food festival where I was making raviolis, which is kind of stupid, really. Um, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I said, oh, I'll just stick the pasta dough for the next demonstration in the fridge. She put it in the freezer. So there I was in front of 3,000 people at the NEC trying to roll out a rock. And it's like, there's no going back, is the Kingy? No, no, you're there and you're doing it. And I was thinking, and all I heard, all I heard from us, because I'm doing my bit at my side of the stage, and I remember Dave's thing, and he just started to hit it off the board. I'm thinking, what in God's name is the matter with that door? It's been in the bloody freezer. It's been in the freezer. What am I supposed to do with this? Oh, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Oh, this is a nightmare. People loved it, though, don't they? I mean, they love it when, when you know, and it's like, if I, like, my whole thing is that, like, Dave will always remember the recipe and the ingredients. So I just go, I'll man the pan then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, people love that. It's just... Yeah. Like, so, that. That they like you because you're human. Yeah, you, yeah. You're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to have issues. You're allowed to yeah. solve them. As long as you laugh along with it. But Tash, there was nothing to put in the bloody pan. That's the problem. <laughs> but you know, like, 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 like in Italy, some recipes will actually call for a good dried pasta. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be fresh all the time. Uh, do you remember when we were in Argentina, which is like huge Italian Mediterranean influence, 
They would have like a lot of the Italian restaurant pasta things. There would be a fresh pasta menu and a dried pasta menu, mm-hmm. and specific recipes were for specific pastas. I want you have to explain to me without us turning to a full cookery podcast. What therefore? What is that big difference? I appreciate the taste is there, but why would an Italian not want to make it fresh? Surely that's ingrained in their blood to make fresh pasta. Well, you know, the thing is that what's amazing about Italian cuisine and what we forget, it's an incredibly focused cuisine. As Dave, as Dave inferred before, it's it's really quite, um, it is quite pedantic in the way that they approach their cuisine because it's incredibly regional, it's incredibly seasonal, but it's actually pretty quite, quite technical in terms of, um, like, they'll use a particular type of sage at some point in the season and that sage will go with a particular type of dried pasta or it will go with uh, another type of sage will go with fresh pasta so you'd have a sage butter with a particularly with a particular fresh pasta ravioli so it's that level of focus that italian cuisine is is afforded by the populace of italy which is just uh, you know it's just the way it is it's just do you think therefore back to this question then that we've been sent do you think he's just as lucky if he wants to eat pasta again to go for a dried sort then get a good dried one if he can't make that fresh one with the lamination work then maybe he should just go for a really good dry pasta oh he's just enjoy and embrace both worlds really mm. it's funny it, it's going back to that that it's, it's evolution isn't it kingy mm. it's almost like when we were in southern india like the hindu um the Hindu vegetarian food culture, for some reason, the balance of spices was magical. Yeah. But it's thousands of years of, dare I say, a peasant food culture. I would say that in the nicest way, not, not uh, an offensive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are thousands of years of culture and refinement have gone into the simplicity mm. that makes it simply perfect. Um, yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's such a journey. It's a world. It is. It's a world to be embraced. I tell you what, that's a good, that's a damn fine answer for somebody that cannot make pasta. That's all yeah, I'm saying. It's food makes everything better. Our next problem is called stuck in a rut, part one, and this comes from someone who would like to be well anonymous. So I need a lady's name, please, and posh Tash, I'd like you to supply this lady's name, please. Sally. Sally writes, hello, Uncle Si, Uncle Dave and Posh Tash. I'm stuck in a rut and I don't know how to cope with it. I, 25, have been with my fiancé, 43, for almost seven years now. Over a year ago, we decided to take the plunge and have kids. He already has two of his own, but we don't really see them. Our journey to even trying this was slightly complex as he had had a vasectomy with his ex-wife. Well, we got this reversed and he's all tickety-boo now. A year has passed and I'm still not pregnant. Now, I know he can have kids, but no idea about myself. I asked him at the beginning of this journey to not really make a big deal about it, but it is gutting for me when, like clockwork, every month he says, oh, no baby then. I'm truly disheartened every time this happens. I know conception can take a while, but how do I keep my head out of the dumps? Please help me. And that's from Sally. Over to you. Rooms, that's a biggie, isn't it? Oh, it is, isn't it? I I would have think first... First off is to get some professional help rather than us two Muppets. Um, (laughs) Because it's really serious. Oh, I don't know. It's funny, when Lil and I first got married, she wanted to give me a child, you know. But I I was saying to her, I'm really quite happy with my two stepchildren. I'm all right. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, uh, You know, it was lucky, but it, it was funny. It did prey on her mind, really. 
I was going to say, I wonder whether he's saying, um, oh, no baby then. Is that him secretly being relieved because he's already got children and being a bit cutting in the hope that, you know, that there isn't a baby? Or is he just a horrible, excuse my language, arsehole that's being really mean to her and not handling her emotions very well? And, you know, saying, oh, your fault, you're not producing as a baby. I think there's two sides to that. I think uh, I wonder whether he might be defence mechanism. Well, either, yeah, I think either way is pretty unpleasant, isn't it, really? I I mean, you don't, you you don't say that, you know, why would you say that to somebody? Well, well, being devil's advocate, maybe sometimes, I know, if, if you're in a second relationship, sometimes if you're young and you're bringing children up, it can be quite hard, can't it, if, if you're young and you're poor. Hmm. And obviously, the first, his first relationship broke down, didn't it? Because he would still be with her. Maybe he's just really happy and he wants a second bite of the cherry. And now he's had his vasectomy reversed, which is just quite a significant step. Maybe, maybe he's got his head into this second family and he's really buzzing about it and he's genuinely disappointed. Uh, yeah, that could be that. And he just, he's not very good at verbalising it. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, stuck in a rut. Hmm. Yeah, I think the other thing is, you know, the more he's like that to her, the more upset she clearly is getting and down in the dumps, the more it's not yeah. going to help her getting pregnant because it's always a classic story you hear through friends, you know, that they couldn't conceive, couldn't conceive, and the moment they stop trying, it happens. I think that's it, isn't it? I don't know. I, yeah, I just think, you know, the key to all of this, actually, is just conversation. Just keep the dialogue going, keep it open, and just be very honest with one another because you're, you're trying for a second family. You just need to keep the conversation open and keep it honest and straightforward. Yeah. I think that that's key, isn't it? I think you know, honesty is the main thing, isn't it? You yeah, have to be really honest. Um, and then I'll just get professional help. Mm. You know, the, the, there are there are people who, who are used to this. Get advice before everything goes horribly wrong. Mm. Yeah, I think, so, but I think that's a, it's a tough one because she's obviously feeling incredibly responsible because it's mm. clearly said that he's had the sexually-reversed-therefore-he's-all-tickety-boo-and-she's-feeling-so-responsible-you-know-and-that's-the-horrible-feeling-entirely-but-you-know-I've-I've-I've-I've-I've-I've-I've-I've-I've-I've-I've
Do, do it. it. Do 110 it. miles is nothing. Imagine, you know, it always gets me where people go on about immigrants and migrants. I've got the greatest respect for them. You're 110 miles, mate. What about somebody who relocates in a foreign country, the language, the administration? You say, but no, with it, 110 miles, mate. Pack your bags, on your bike. Yeah, you can always come back again. Well, yeah, and then it would be 220 miles. That's a round trip. You know, that's easy. You know, it's never going to get any longer than 110, is it? You know, so, and like, it's now, is it? 110, they still speak the same language. You've still got the same currency. You've still got the same administration. You've still, and it's just, yeah, no, shake yourself up. Don't be comfortable. What are you going to do if you sit there, whether you've got your slippers on and go, oh, well, if I'd only moved 110 yeah. miles away. I mean, it's now. Come on, dude. Get a grip. I always, rem- I always remember, Kingy, when you went on the move. That was it. Oh. You left the tune. You left packed the tune. your little knapsack off and off down the road you went. Oh. And he went He went to live in St Albans of all places. <laughs> Not that I'm dissing St Albans, but it is. I was born there, thank you. Yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, but, there um, you go. So yeah. Jardy turns up in St Albans. With my little knapsack and me bag full aye, of sandwiches. Aye. You know. oh. And then you six, came home again. See? Six months have lasted. That was it. <laughs> it was too far away for the sea. It was it. And I said, right. And I, I went down to help my son. And I said, right, my son needs partnered. Again, they kind of get a little foothold and all that sort of stuff. And I thought that would be nice. I'd be nice, quite next near London. Mm. Ah, six months. Where's the sea? Oh, it's 400 miles away. I sod this for a game of soldiers. And actually, I, I quite liked St. Albans. It was nice. The people were really lovely. Nice folk. You know, yeah. beer was good. And, but yeah. Was, like in the country and we filmed there aren't we and it was quite it was nice yeah it was nice dude yeah we got dressed up in the middle of St Albans didn't we for some reason we got dressed up it, it was oh English Civil War didn't we soldiers, Aye, soldiers. bikes and stuff yeah because yeah. somebody had found all this armour in a pub anyway we digress yes we but, did yeah I'm about Harpenden, uh, St Albans and Harpenden where I, I spent the first eight years of my life down there so I wasn't always sorry to Boshtash I just went to another home county. I went north home county to south home county. But in St. Albans, when I was about seven, I was in the, on the front of the paper for being the best. The title was, I was only seven and a girl, may I remind, uh, the best tosser in town. And I won the competition <laughs> for running around the common tossing pancakes. So I was so oh! pancakes. <laughs> oh, God for that. <laughs> I, de- I thought that was going to a very dark and very dangerous place. No, it's great though, isn't it? That's how I started out. No, oh, that's good. Headline. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And you've been chasing that headline ever since. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can see it. You can see it now in the sun, can't you? <laughs> top tosser tash. <laughs> top top. No. Oh, got, yeah, that's it. It is. It's the top <laughs> totty tosser tash. Oh, the alliteration's perfect. Oh. Move, move, you've got one life, do it. Right, yeah, so it's a, a very simple answer then, it's yes, go. Yes, yes, go. It's yes. unanimous, and we like those. If you've got problems, you'll be fine, just drop the agony, uncle's a line. It's time to head into Confidential Corner, and this is called the Pussy Passion Killer. <laughs> we need two, two ladies' names and two cats' names which we haven't had before on the podcast, animal names. Uh, so uh, we'll have a lady's name, uh, each Uncle Si and Uncle Dave. Sonia. Veronica. Sonia and Veronica. And can you now have, please, two cat names? Fluffy. <laughs> ginger. Fluff, <laughs> fluffy and Ginger. <laughs> so let's just get this. I have to write these down here. So Sonia, uh, Veronica, that's great. And then we have Fluffy 
and ginger. Well, the 2022 top name for cats this year. <laughs> this letter comes from Sonia, who says, Dear Uncle Sai, Uncle Dave and Posh Tash, I've been with my partner Veronica for about three years now. She's funny, caring, spontaneous and all the good things I need in life, but for one thing. Her cats, Fluffy and Ginger, hate me. They're allowed anywhere when I stay at her house, and I mean anywhere. They sit on the table glaring at me while we're eating. If I forget to shut the bathroom door when I go for a bath, or anything else for that matter, I'll open my eyes to find one of them sat on the windowsill staring daggers at me. My other half says it's because they normally have the house to themselves, so they're just jealous. I must ignore them. But the way they look at me is just evil. Worse, though, <laughs> is when it comes to bedtime. They're allowed to sleep in the bed with us. One of what? them, Ginger, wraps herself round my partner's head. She really loves that. If, however, if there's any whiff of Rumpy Pumpy on the horizon, the other one, Fluffy, more or less sits on my face to put me off. And you know, it works. One time, <laughs> we were having a rare cat-free piece of yummy love and I had my eyes closed, thoroughly enjoying myself, when I felt something tapping my head. I opened my eyes and there was Fluffy glaring in my face and punching me on the forehead. To say it cooled my ardour would be an understatement. Uh, the upshot of this is it's a quite a tense and passion-free household when I stay there, but Veronica won't hear of removing them. We've talked of moving in together, but the cats would be part of the deal, and I don't think I would ever feel relaxed in my own home, not while Fluffy and Ginger continue to hate me. Any advice? Over to you. Ooh. Pussy hierarchy there, isn't there? There isn't. They're fucking yeah. getting beyond themselves. Um, I, yeah. Well, I like cats, you see, and I mm. think they're independent and 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 all that. But, uh, well, can you you just just have the conversation and go listen? I'm feeling a bit weird about your cats. Can yeah, we can you just, just lock the cats out while you exactly nookie. while you have a nookie? You know, it's simple enough. Give them one of those. What do you call those little treat things? Ooh, I don't know. You know, mouse. <laughs> like little pussy tablets. What do you pussy call them? Tablets. No, I don't know what they're called. Catnip. No, catnip's great. Gets them stoned. Yes, that's genius. Right. What you do? It's catnip. It's like marijuana for cats, right? And what you do? I know this because I had a catnip plant once, and literally all that was left because I had two cats, Shea and Ace. And all that was left was just like this stick <laughs> in a plant pot and a load of cat hair on it. I was like, the cats were smart. Get the cats stoned and then they'll not be asked about you having, you know, interrupting your rumpy pumpy. I it does mean on catnip. Yeah. We're not advocating uh, yes. poisoning animals. No. No, no, no. I think I've told this tale before. There was a friend of mine, it was funny, he used to rescue greyhounds. Big, big things they are. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it, it, was, it, it, it was his wife after a few drinks, she told me this tale once. Once they were enthralled in passion, and at a certain moment, I think she, she let out a certain scream of ecstasy, at which point the greyhound tore in and bit his arse. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing ever, really, because he loved that greyhound. <laughs> We can imagine, can't you? Oh! Yowza! You're a greyhound, do you imagine? It's a big, big jaws. I, 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 I tell you what, I bet that was a bit... Anyway, yes. Aye, Left aye. or right cheek, did he ever find out? Oh, I don't know, I don't know. No, no, I didn't ask... You know, it was one of those things where I think as soon as she said it, she regretted it, really. And yeah. now it's on radio. Anyway, well, no name, hey, no cat drill. No, 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 no. I wonder if Veronica likes 
three pussies in the bed. I can't believe I just said that sentence. Um, you just maybe she <laughs> maybe she <laughs> likes having all three of them in there. That's get, that's what's getting her all excited. Oh, wait, no, that, no. no she's got one not. on her head. She's got the other one. She's got all the things that love her all stroking her, all Ooh. little soft fur going round. You never know. No, no, no. You don't. To be fair, you don't. But that would be odd. Remember, there was a thing years ago. People always used to have two cats, didn't they? And and you know, used to, I remember at the BBC, people <laughs> of a certain age, they'd always get two cats, wouldn't they? Call them cat people. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and they always have names like Ronnie and Reggie or Bra and Pants. You know, <laughs> Stickle and Back. And I used to make them puke. Yeah. Actually, with you. I did have two cats. It was Ginger and Ginger Bits, funnily enough. <laughs> Ginger was a tomcat. He got nicked. He used to sit on the gatepost and, How you know, you everybody loved Ginger. He put him under your arm and leg it. Oh. Ginger bits. Fair enough. He chewed through the wire of a Dimplex radiator and electrocuted herself. Oh, my, oh my God. God. So that was my, my cat-loving kind of two I months. had my first cat was called Fury when I was a little kid uh, in Hertfordshire, and it died of constipation in the rosebush. Sat in the rosebush for, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and then died of constipation. Did you not help it? Well, I was, I was young. I just remember the cat sitting there and then mum saying... Cat's gone. He was a bit stuffed up, you know. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sure they did try and help it. But I was, I was a kid, but that's all I remember. We had a Westy with constipation once, and I, I, my missus did well. She put some surgical gloves on, and some grease, oh. some olive oil, and that was oh. it. No. One yelping Westy later, oh, result God. happiness. Yes. <laughs> I said, don't you look at me next time you need a poo. Not that we're advocating self-administering help to dogs either. No. Do I, listen, do I, yeah, right. I'll, I'll tell you, just, so just before this, the, I, I, was, I was quite busy on Friday, right? So the dog comes in going, really, really, really quite distressing. And I'm looking at it going, I thought, Flame and Nora. So anyway, I took a video of the dog doing exactly what the dog was doing. But like trying to get a hairball up or something, but worse. And I sent it to the vet. And the vet ran it straight away and went, get the dog up here now. And I was like, you're kidding us. Why? What? What? He's just going, look, get him up here now, Si. So anyway, I drove the dog. And then the dog started to look at me like with panicked eyes as I'm driving the thing. And I'm thinking, shit. The dog's not breathing. So I had me two fingers down the dog's throat, keeping its airways open, while driving the Land Rover on the way to the vets, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so then I get to the vets. The vet goes, right, you know what he's done, don't you? He's snacked, kind of snacks at the insects. He's snacked ah. at the wasp. The wasp stung him in the throat as he's eaten it. Oh, the throat's swollen, his airways have swollen. So anyway, we had to give him a couple of injections. And at like 75 quid later, the dog sat in the front seat of the car like now it's happened. I'm 75 quid later, stressed out my head, and now I've got to go and pick my gear up to get, a, to, get to this gig, of for which I was late. And I, cu I couldn't believe it. Well, but I just went, all right, though. I mean, that's what? scary. He's all right. Oh, no, it was kind of scary, but I just thought, I wish I'd had cats. <laughs> Yeah. You're telling me then, sorry, the cat had got swallowed a wasp and was going. <laughs> you no, well, the cats, cats aren't that stupid, are they? <laughs> you know, the cats go, that's a wasp. I'm not eating that because uh, that's daft. Yeah. And they might pout it a bit, but that's it. But Artsville, oh no, I think I'll eat it. You <laughs> moron. Oh, this puppy we've got is the same kingy. Everything. I've, I, I'm going to start. You know, like that affectation of wearing odd socks. 
That's yeah. all I've got left. Well, party socks. That's all right. That's all I do in my house. Sorry to say, it's all right. The the dog is eating your socks. Well, he don't know what he does with them. He takes them. He goes off somewhere with them. Wow. I, I had a barbecue at the weekend, and um, I, I, I left these organic, thankfully, fire lighters out, and there he was chowing into them. <laughs> oh my god. Well, they were just like sticks. So they were all right. You know, I got them off him, but it's it's like it's, it's exhausting. This. However. He's not allowed in the bedroom. <laughs> I was gonna say. This is what this is what you do. Go to the pet shop, buy those little little packets of catnip, get the cats smashed, go up, have Nookie in peace, come back down, put stash the catnip back in your pocket. The cats will be on their back with their legs going hoo hoo hoo, having a lovely time. They might have the munchies. Like Veronica. Uh, like Veronica. <laughs> and then uh, all will be happy with the world. So catnip is the key. Distract, distract the cats, I think. Distract them. Give yeah. them something else to do. Excellent advice. And thank you so much for not going down the pussy uh, avenue, which uh, was tempting for all of us, I know. Who I do know. you think we are, Mrs Slocum? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're down, if you're down, now don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. Just send an email, send an email to the agony uncle. Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast of problems. We love getting your emails and helping you every week. Yeah, <laughs> loosely. <laughs> so send in, don't forget, send your questions in and your problems to uh, agonyuncles at thehairybikers.co.uk. That's theagonyuncles at hairybikers.co.uk. Uh, we love, we genuinely love hearing from you. It's fab because actually without you, uh, uh, we don't have a show. No. So there's an issue. It's true. And there's a new Agony Uncles podcast every Friday waiting for you when you wake up to rate, review and follow this podcast. And then, well, if you follow it, you get the latest one every week. Uh, yeah, that's very true. So, from Posh Tash... Bye-bye from me. And it's bye-bye from me, Uncle Dave. And it's bye-bye from the Thin White Duke. Bye-bye-bye. Thank you for this week. And it's uh, it's bye from, from me. Bye-bye, Uncle Si. Bye. Love bye. you all dearly. <laughs> 